those types of actions or intentions as you go through your day can make it a lot more fun, can really serve to dial down the seriousness or the gravity as you dial up sincerity, which can make it feel less like a grind, less like a burden, less like a slog, and more, more as sort of you're floating or surfing through life. And Human Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Seema Desai, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Dinesh Milwani. We're a dentist and attorney duo and are both certified coaches who specialize in performance and success coaching. In the Happy and Human Podcast, we dive into the philosophies, strategies, and tools that help us live happier, healthier, or productive lives that lead to our highest successes, all while creating a deep sense of fulfillment and joy. Welcome to our show. Welcome back to the Happy and Human podcast. Dinesh, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great, Seema. We're excited. I'm uh, glad to be here and looking forward to recording with you. Yes, as always. So you were, you're just coming back from another trip, which is pretty appropriate since today, I'm going to, I don't even know if I can say this with a straight face because it's so nuanced, but we're going to talk about how to live life as if you're always on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great topic. I mean, we've heard so many people and, you know, everyone seems to tell you that you can build this dream life where you don't need to take a vacation from it and it can be all um, all fun and games and happiness and smiles all day long, right? That is what is circulating on Instagram and all these other social media posts. And importantly, I've heard it in a lot of different ways through spiritual teachers and thought leaders in the meditation space. And I think there's some real truth to that. I actually believe that you can live life as if you're always on vacation. However, I think that the issue becomes when I first heard this, and if I had heard this maybe five years ago, I definitely would have outright dismissed it because I think what it means to me now versus what it what it would have meant to me kind of at the start of my career in personal development, it's so easy to dismiss this, right? Your life is not you on a beach sipping Mai Tais all day. One thing I've always thought about is if you take a look at someone's life and let's say someone lives for 80 years and you, in your mind, get a concept of what it means to be on vacation, right? Just think about what that looks like for you. And you add up all of those moments throughout your long life and all the joys, all the laughs, all the sleeping in days, all the Mai Tais, all the things that you think of when you think about being on vacation, the days with no stress. You add that up, it it really amounts to a very, very, very tiny fraction of all of your life, right? It's just not realistic to think that life is meant to be one big happy joy ride throughout of it, all of it. I personally, for myself, have sort of busted that myth that my life should be or have this expectation that one day it will be this this beautiful joy ride where everything is happy, everything is perfect, nothing goes wrong. And I think that part of what we're going to talk about is is a mindset shift away from that into, well, what what is life really supposed to be like? And once you get that sense, then you can start to make these shifts we're going to talk about where some of what we're talking about is true. It, it, it is like living life, you're on vacation because 
you're not always pining or reaching for that happy joyride of constantly. You kind of mentioned in, I can't remember which episode, it was one of the recent ones about vacation. Even when you are on vacation, nothing is guaranteed to go perfectly well. It's not smooth sailing necessarily. That's life. And I think it's important to understand how to master when you get rough seas so that it is actually easier and it can actually be fun. Using the sea analogy is great. I've always thought about trying to envision myself as a surfer, regardless of the waves, just surfing the waves of life as they come towards you. And it really is a mindset shift. I, I, I totally believe that. I've, I've doubled down on mindset in 2023 because the reality is to me that what you look for is more, you'll get more of that, right? You'll always get more of what you look for. And if you're looking and you're seeing the things that are not going your way, you're looking for the negative thing, you'll just see more and more and more and more of that until your entire perspective of an experience is now with a negative slant. For the hyper-rational listeners in the in the crowd, like the people that really need the logic and the black and white thinking, think of it in terms of physics, like energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And so when you consistently put in this energy of negativity and lack, then you're perpetuating that. And it becomes this echo chamber of scarcity and inadequacy and unhappiness. The upside to that is when you start looking for the positive, genuinely, not not forcing it because that never results in anything sustainable. But when you genuinely look for what you feel is going well, going right, we touched on gratitude just a tiny bit in a previous episode. It really can amplify, synergize, and you create more of that. And so, I mean, you can be on vacation and be miserable. Consequently, you can also be living real life and be blissfully happy. When I think about vacation and being miserable, I wanted to share a quick story. We were on Maui last year and we were getting family pictures taken. My parents had never been to Hawaii. So this was like a huge bucket list thing for them. So we took them and we did the whole coordinating outfit thing. We found this awesome photographer, Maui family photography. Jessica, she's amazing. If you're ever on Maui and you need amazing family portraits, hit her up. She's on Instagram. She's fantastic, super easy to work with and amazing with kids. So just a non-sponsored plug for this amazing photographer that we have in Hawaii. Jessica was telling me that she sometimes has families that come and we did a sunrise photo shoot, which means you have to be at the beach at like 4 a.m., which is fine for us since we were on central time. We just scheduled it for the day after we got there since our bodies had not acclimated to being on Hawaii time yet. It wasn't a huge ask. But she was saying how it was really fun to work with us because we didn't let the fact that my son was basically having a hard time with the fact that his pants got wet. And it was he was not having it. But you know, we we handled it well because we had we've worked on how to handle those sticky situations with kids. And she said that there are so many families that, you know, the mom's happy, the kids are happy, but the dad or, you know, it's it's typically the dad, not to pin things on on dad, but the dad doesn't want to be there. And, you know, he's complaining about it's early in the morning and why do we have to do this? And I don't want to be here. And it's very easy for that energy to just sort of ruin the pictures. And then no one's happy because the photographer's job is harder. The kids are kind of feeding off of that negative energy. Mom's feeling the pressure of 
I want these pictures to be good and it's not working out. I We were talking about it and she said, it's really incredible to see these families that have, first of all, the means to be on Hawaii and on, on Maui and they're miserable all because they don't want to take family portraits. The perspective is just interesting to look at. It's very easy to find ways to be miserable in the middle of what many would consider paradise. My point is it doesn't matter where you are. It's your it's your state of the of your mind, it's your mindset that that really can determine your perspective and your experience. You know, what's wrong is always available and so is what's right. And you know, a lot of times you'll ask people, you know, how's your day going or what's new and they'll say fine, not much. I'm doing okay. It's so easy to focus on what's going wrong for us and so easy to always put on the back burner in the back of our mind what's right. But the reality is, like I said earlier, what's right is just as available as what's wrong. And if you can look for what that is, you will really start to show up in a much different way, really, really much different way altogether in all of your experiences in anything you do, whether it's on vacation or work or things like that. So when you say that, what comes to mind for me is this is one really easy way you can start to live life as if you're on a vacation that you're enjoying. If somebody asks you, hey, how's it going? You can find one thing that's going well. Even if it's just for us here in Austin, we had a crazy storm last night. Right now, you would never know it. It's gorgeous. The backyard looks like a mess. But you know what? Right now, it's sunny. I'm glad the weather cleared up. I mean, it can be anything and it doesn't cost a dime. But it does take a deliberate intention to move off of your default thinking to create enough space in your mind to put aside the preoccupations that we have to to do that. And, and I was just in New York City um, with uh, one of my partners at the law firm. I'll share a couple of stories I think will resonate about how I actually do this in my life or how you might do it. So we were walking on the street and there's this Indian guy. I don't know if he'll hear this. He might at one day and I might remember that was me, but he was getting out of a car and he had two trays of vegetable platters with like dip and stuff like that. He was struggling to get out. So we made eye contact and we we're walking down the street. I think we we're going to the Nike store. And I looked at him. I said, oh, just in time. Did you get those for me? And he looked at me and um, it's New York City, right? So people don't like to look at each other. They don't like to talk to each other. But he responded and I was glad he did. He responded and he said, no, it's for a work party. I was like, okay, well, if you need a hand, let me know. And we continued walking. And maybe seven steps later, he turns to me. He's like, you know, actually, I will take a hand. Could you open that door for me? And I think he was going into like the Merrill Lynch building or something. And I opened the door. And I'll tell you, in that moment, my outlook or my perspective shifted by 1%, right? I did something nice for someone. I felt valued. I felt appreciated. I felt great that someone in New York City responded to me and was friendly. And there was just a, an exchange, a positive exchange of energy that changed my outlook by just a little bit, right? Those types of actions or, or intentions as you go through your day can make it a lot more fun, can really serve to dial down the seriousness or the gravity as you dial up sincerity, which can make it feel less like a grind, less like a burden, less like a slog, and more more as sort of you're floating or surfing through life. And I think that's what both of us mean when we say how to live life as if you're on vacation, is taking that grind out of it and mastering how to be 
content and even joyful at just the smallest things of, I got to get this tray of stuff up to the 67th floor, but I'm going to allow this guy to help, you know, open the door for me. It doesn't have to be as hard as we make it. And the brain by just how we're wired, that's the default. So I do agree. It does take intention. It does mean that you have to become aware that your brain is doing that. And it takes consistency. We've talked about this a lot too, trying to make this important. So like you can have the shift and and it can be something as simple as the next time I go somewhere and someone says, Hey, how's it going? Instead of saying, eh, I'm fine. Or, Oh, not, not much is going on or, Oh, it's Wednesday. At least it's hump day. Right? Like, or, oh, you know, it's another Monday. Instead of saying things like that, find another phrase that might make you feel a little bit more joyful and might spread that energy and help shift other people in that direction. And I would offer uh, a challenge to go one step further. You'll probably know who said this quote, right? Be the change you want to be, seeing the world. I know who said that. I bet our listeners do too. Yeah, who? Mahatma Gandhi. So I know a lot of people that I work with listen to the podcast and uh, th- they will smile when they hear this. I have a lot of Zoom calls. I have a lot of phone calls. And you know we usually start out most times. I can't say it's 100%. How's it going? And if uh, someone says, it's going all right, I'm okay. I will say things like, whoa, 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 we got to stop. What can I do to make you fantastic? I don't know if people take me seriously or they think like, hey, you know, he's just being silly or whatever. In that moment, I think it just dials the seriousness and the gravity of things down. You can change the energy in the room. And oftentimes, as things progress, you, you can really start to bring some levity to your interactions. You can laugh more. You can try new things. You can laugh at yourself. And you can really build this frictionless engagement that makes it more feel like, quote unquote, vacation and less, less like a slog. And for those of you who might find yourself feeling resistance to what we're saying, or kind of insistent that it is serious and you do need to work hard, I feel you. I've been there. I'm married to someone who is very rational and very, I guess, realistic is the best way to put it. In our journey together as husband and wife, in our personal growth development, that belief has fallen away for us. And what I want to ask is for you to consider why you feel that way. And how true that is, because there's a whole section of people living on this planet right now who don't subscribe to this, Dinesh and and myself being just a couple of them, that it needs to be hard. My ask is there are people who are actually believing the opposite. So what's the stickiness there, to use Dinesh, your term? And also to consider how well is that belief serving you? How well is it serving you in your, if your goal is to actually be happier and create life that's easier? How is it helping you to tell yourself that it needs to be serious and that it's hard and it, you need to work hard instead of working with intent and showing up with some compassion and some fun? That, that's a really good point. And I'm going to try to parse out what's in my head and it might come out a little sideways. So forgive me if it does. I think that grit, persistence, repetition, mastery, all of those things are necessary for success. You've got to do something long enough to get good at it. You've got to be persistent. You've got to evolve. You've got to learn. But notice I didn't use the word hard there. I think you can get very good at a lot of things, but it doesn't have to be hard. Because when, when, I, when I hear the word hard, I'm thinking of 
frustration and burnout and a slog. But the reality is, I think that more stems from not having a clear purpose or not having direction or not being connected to your work. Hard work can be gardening if you enjoy gardening. Hard work can be mowing the lawn. Hard work can be podcasting, right? It took us a year to launch this podcast and it's Saturday morning now and we're recording. And for a lot of people, that definition is different. A lot of people might say, this is hard work. Why would you do this, right? Or losing weight is hard work. Going to the gym and building your muscles, bodybuilding is hard work. And so I think it's very subjective and it doesn't have to be hard if it's something you enjoy, you're connected to, and you have a clear purpose or direction. I would actually say that if, if you feel that you have to work hard or something, we're not talking about grit, persistence, resilience, putting in thousands of reps to get good at it. We're talking about that feeling. Why does it have to be hard? And just so negative. You can dig a hole forever, right? I, I use this with my clients and even with my kids all, all the time. You can spend hours digging a hole and you're digging and you're digging and you're digging. And that's hard. It's hot. It's sweaty. It's very physically exhausting. But if you're just digging that hole for no purpose or because you don't want to, but you feel you're forced to for some reason, that's working hard. But if you're digging that hole because, I don't know, you decided you're going to install a, a water garden in your backyard and it's something that you really want to do yourself and learn how to do and you have that purpose and this vision of, I'm going to get out here and dig this trench and I'm going to get all the supplies that I need to make this, this water pond. And you know you have this deeper vision of you being there in your backyard, envisioning this Zen spot that you've created for your family. Now digging that hole, it's laborious and it's tiring, but it's fulfilling. That fulfillment aspect is important. At the turn of the year, I went on a, a fitness journey and a health journey and I remember having a conversation with someone of what it takes to evolve your body to the next level. I said that I don't want to eat boiled chicken and broccoli. Like that just that's just too hard. I can't do that. And the response was really eye-opening. I mean, it, it, it'll sound trivial, but it was eye-opening for me that it's only hard for you. There are people who do this because they have to, right? And you can apply this to anything. Someone who's trying to quit smoking cigarettes, it's too hard. I can't do it trying to go to the gym. It's too hard. I can't do it. It's only hard because you're making it hard. It's only hard because you're attaching that definition to it. And I think, like you said, if you have a clear purpose and a direction, we can work as human beings. We have capacity to work tirelessly at something, whether it's raising a child, taking care of a sick child, or learning a new skill, learning a new language. You're learning a new language. We can work tirelessly at so many different things if we don't have that perspective that, hey, this is hard. The more and more you go on about how hard it is, it just gets harder. I love that. When I think about life on vacation, the other thing that comes to mind for me is what does that mean for me to be on vacation? What elements of being on vacation are what are rejuvenating to me? And what is it that propels me forward? I was leading a workshop. I was facilitating this small group, maybe I think last year. And it was a group of people that basically are public servants. They're, they give so much and they're not necessarily financially compensated handsomely as compared to other professions. We were talking about the ideal vacation. And this woman shared how she took her mom on a road trip to Arkansas and they just roughed it. And like it was just one tent, like they just found this campsite in Arkansas and ate whatever. And it was like two days. 
But she came back and she was telling me about basically living in a tent for two days and roughing it and how it was the most amazing vacation of her life because it was time with her mom who has since passed. And so when she looks at that and she thinks about that, she remembers the the amazing conversations they had driving to Arkansas and setting up the tent and having this experience and then driving back and that connection. As she shared it with me, she said, you know, I think that I'm going to try to find that connection with other people that are close to me in my life. And what was so interesting to me was we had just come back from this vacation on Maui and it was anything but camping in a tent. It just, to me, was so eye-opening and it made me so grateful because it reminded me that it isn't where you're at. It's not, it doesn't matter if the hotel is five stars or no stars. It doesn't matter whether you're eating a Michelin star meal or if you're eating soup out of a can. It really is about that, that intangible. And we tell ourselves somewhere along the way that we can only get that if we're on vacation. And it's so untrue, at least for me and for this woman, as she discovered for herself. It was untrue. You can find those elements in everyday life to help make it fun, make it more enjoyable, make it more meaningful and full of laughter. You know, that's a great story, Seema. And it totally resonates with me because we've all heard, right? It, it, it explains why people that don't have a lot that live in countries where people get by on a couple bucks a day can be so blissfully happy, yet people with arguably means for everything or have all of the resources can still be miserable and unhappy and, and desiring even more in a hope to, to find that bliss and that happiness. Exactly. We've seen examples of that in our own real lives. In the media, there's prominent people that seem to have it all and yet are miserable and make other people miserable. And we see the flip side too. I think what that demonstrates is that the brain sees only what, what you program it to see. It's like a computer. Or in fact, I would say it's like a magpie because magpies are birds that build based, it's not only sticks and mud. They'll just take whatever and build, if it's electrical wire or they'll just build a nest out of what's available. And the brain is like that. If you, if you feed it what you want it to see, it will build based off of those building blocks and Legos. I mean, think of like when you want to buy a new car and you're thinking of like a gray Tesla all of a sudden you see gray Teslas everywhere. And it's not that there's necessarily more Teslas on the road. It's that your brain is now subconsciously programmed to, to notice that. That's such a great concept. And, and for the, the right brain people out there, like myself and Seema, what's really happening there is your reticular activating system in your brain is firing. And our minds, our brains, the average person processes about 74 gigabytes of data. Now think about you know, using that computer analogy, computers have inputs. And those inputs can come from a keyboard or a camera or a mic. And camera and mics are like sensors. We as people, we have sensors, we have our eyes, we have our touch, we have our taste, we have our ears, we have our smelling. And so we're taking in all of this data. And what our brain has evolved is this reticular activating system, your RAS, which allows you to filter much of that data out so that you can focus on what's important in front of you. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. This is why you can be in a crowded sporting event and hear what the other person is saying you and comprehend what they're saying, because your mind knows it's important to focus on the words they're saying, using your eyes to read their lips at the same time as you're listening, and you can tune out the concert behind you. But what's important is subjective, and we can teach ourselves to focus on what's important. Just like Seema said, if you're 
telling yourself you're going to buy a new new Tesla, you're telling your mind that that Tesla is important to you. So your brain starts to look for all things related to Tesla. And as you start to look for those things, you'll see more of them. Now, this ties nicely back to our thought earlier of what you look for is what you get more of. If you're looking for negative things and you're seeing the negative things, and if you deliberately shift to look for more of those positive things, you'll train your mind, you'll train your reticular activating system to look for the uplifting, empowering, and positive in all of the data that's coming to you, which will change how you feel, which will change what you think, which will change how you live, and which will change what you do. With that, we have a little quest for you guys, a little a little challenge and see if you guys are up for it. Dinesh, you want to share what that is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it relates to, to this. I think, you know, if you can believe for a while that what we're saying, our minds are like a garden, for example, and this comes from The Strangest Secret in the World by Earl Nightingale. If you haven't listened to it, please go to YouTube, type in The Strangest Secret in the World by Earl Nightingale, take a listen. And basically what Earl Nightingale says is that our minds are like a garden. It doesn't matter what you plant. If you plant carrots, you'll get carrots. If you plant nightshade or poison ivy, you'll get nightshade or poison ivy. So our challenge or our quest for you this week is to filter through the 74 gigabytes of data that the average person takes in and try to pick out the seeds of positivity, of empowerment, of uplifting, of joy, of peace, of freedom, of calm, and plant those seeds and look for more of those. And let us know. Reach out to us, text us, DM us, message us, wherever, however you can find us. We're pretty accessible. Let us know if by focusing on those nuggets of positivity and empowerment, your perspective or the way you move through your day shifts ever so slightly in a way that is beneficial for you. Even just three things. Challenge yourself to, to find three things each day. We can't wait to hear what it is that you guys come up with in your reflections and you know how, how things start to unfold for you maybe differently to where it feels like you are actually enjoying a little bit of that ease and happiness that we all want on vacation in day-to-day life. All right, folks, until next time, we will see y'all later. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.